You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Canton and Simiu Show. This week on the Chronicles of Aguna YouTube channel. Uh, I'm delighted, as always, to be joined by the brilliant Tom Canton. Tom, how are you, mate? Yeah, very good. Even more now you've called me brilliant. That's that's great. I'll appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, flattery was always uh, one of my strong points. <laughs> good stuff. Right. Um, lots to get into, Tom. Um, and we're both quite pressed for time today, so let's get straight into it um so much is going on in the world of football at the moment you know there's mm. there's doubt over whether Arsenal's fixture at Leeds is even going to take place Mikel Arteta alluding to the fact today that mm. although things looked okay at that point there's still more testing to be done and uh, I wouldn't be surprised even at this late stage if the game was to be called off I mean we saw uh the game midweek called off just a couple of hours before kickoff so with all that in mind, I wanted to kind of focus the chat today on, on some other issues. Yeah. And one of the big issues for me is the Aubameyang thing, okay? We talked it to death over the last week or so. <laughs> I shared my opinions. I'm sure you shared your opinions on, on where you stand with it. And the question I guess I want to put to you now, Tom, is should we be trying to draw a line under this now and moving on from it? Or... Does this kind of need to be done? Do we need to keep excluding him? First of all, do you think it's down to Arteta that he's being excluded? Do you think that he's got a part to play in this? What's your kind of reading of the current situation? It's a really tough one, isn't it? I think that it, it kind of is up to Aubameyang in a way. It depends how he kind of responds to this situation. If you find yourself like we are at the moment, it feels, with the way that Arteta has been very blunt and short in his responses and... He's not kind of said anything about how he's trained because as far as I'm aware, he was expected to train ahead of the game against Leeds. And the fact that he's not available again for selection maybe tells you that there's some issues that have continued. He's not maybe reactive. Or this is all, of course, just conjecture. But it it's tricky. And I think it does fall on the player more so than the manager. If he's going to, Arteta has shown that if you're willing to kind of, you know, fight for that place back, get back into the team, then he'll, he'll welcome that and he'll welcome you back into the lineup. But the problem is, is that. Aubameyang doesn't necessarily strike me as that kind of character that is going to allow this to kind of wash over him very easily. I feel like it is going to cause a bit of a, a tensity between the two. And I think that we may have to wait some time, if at all, before he comes back into the team. Yeah, like you say, it's really difficult to kind of get a read on what exactly has happened because mm -hmm. Mikel Arteta has been very vague. I think, as he should be, I don't disagree necessarily with the way that Mikel Arteta has handled this. Do you share that opinion or or do you feel like it maybe didn't need to be done so publicly? We say like we're done so publicly, but I kind of just see it as standards, like just kind of standard procedure. We, he was unavailable for selection. He could have either lied and said it was because of an injury problem or just said what he did say, which is that he was in breach of a disciplinary problem. And I don't really see that as an issue. I also don't see it as a problem as telling the fan base that their club captain is changing and has been stripped of that because of the behaviour, because of the issues behind the scenes. 
I think that it's been handled fine. I think, to be honest, if if the criticism of how it's being handled is towards Arteta, that's wrong because from his own comments, it does seem to be that this is something from kind of out of his control, but he's just having to front it because he's the manager and he's the one in the spotlight and in front of the media. So I do think that it's more so coming from behind him where the messages of publicising it is coming from. But I think that he's, you know, he's dealt with it fine. He's just been very, I mean, do you share that view or are you very much of the opinion that it should have been kept behind closed doors? No, I think he was right to come out. I think, I've said it before, I think when you're a manager that's under pressure, you kind of need to make sure that you're not being blamed Mm. for all the stuff that you are at fault for, but also the stuff that you're not at fault for. You need to kind of fight those fires, I think. So I think Mikel Arteta was right to come out and talk about it. Judging by your comments, I'm guessing that you're, you feel that maybe this disciplinary action that's been taken against him is, is coming from higher up. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I feel like maybe it's... Uh, I don't know. I don't want to name names because we don't know. But I do feel like it's... From the way that Arteta said that if it was up to kind of him, he wouldn't be here talking about it. Um, it does... I get the feeling that this was a group decision. I mean, we heard that he had a meeting with Edu and Vinay before he had a meeting with uh, Arteta. So that kind of tells you that this is not just all with the manager, that it's very much a collective decision by those that are in those executive roles behind the scenes. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. If indeed it is just what we know, because look, Mm. we can speculate, and I know a lot of people are of the opinion that this must be deeper. There must have been more to this than simply Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang returning slightly late. Mm. But based on what we do know and not what we're speculating about, do you think that we've come to the point now where the punishment of being left out of two match day squads and stripped of the captaincy is sufficient and that the club should be trying now to encourage Aubameyang to just get back focused on what it is he does best? The stripping of the captaincy was enough for me. That I'm, Keeping him out of team upon team upon team I don't, is only going to cause it to spiral and cause more questions to be asked. He's going to be asked every single week now, is Aubameyang going to be available for the next game? Um, he only responded by saying he's not available for Leeds. Um, and I think someone else in the press conference asked something along the lines of, will we see him kind of in the future? Uh, and he only, his only response was that he wasn't being selected for Leeds. So it is going to be asked from now until whenever this ends. It could be the January window. It could be the summer. It could be the end of his contract. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but for me, the stripping of the captaincy is enough of a punishment for what's happened. It kind of delivers a very solid message from the managerial side of things to say that if you fall out of line, if you aren't following what we expect of a player and especially the club captain, then it's going to cost you a place and a title in this team. So I think that that's fine. But if he's, you know, working hard behind the scenes, if he's training as he normally has been week in, week out, I don't think you need to keep him out of any more teams. But my expectation is, is that if he's not in the teams, my theory would be is that he's not performing behind the scenes. Yeah, and and that the the issue is at his end as well. He's not just gone, you know, he's crossed the line clearly. Mm -hmm. He's been punished for it. But it kind of tells us that his response to then being sanctioned, if you like, by Mm -hmm. the manager and the club has not been a positive one. He could have also come out and, you know, been a little bit clearer himself. Aubameyang could easily say, you know, on social media, apologies, apologies. you know, he doesn't have to say exactly what happened, but looking forward to getting back into the team. Equally, Mikel Arteta could say, 
you know, and put an end to the speculation around this future by saying, actually, he was sanctioned. What's happened has happened. If he mm. works hard and trains hard, then there is a route back into the team. And he's chosen not to do that. How telling is that? Yeah, the fact that, I mean, that in itself is is probably one of the biggest parts of this whole fiasco. But in short, I think it is time that both Arteta, Aubameyang and the fan base need to just move on from this. We've kind of accepted the fact that, that, that he's made mistakes, that, that it's not only this, it's not only um, the, the Spurs game. It does seem like the words and the language used by latest breach does tell us that this is more than just those two occasions that something has, has gone on. And the fact that that's been kept behind closed doors is to be commended anyway. So, yeah, it, it's one that needs to be put under the rug, but will only be put under the rug from my perspective if a Bamiang does that himself and does come back and trains like normal. Well, according to some of our YouTube chat box sources, and I've just flicked <laughs> over to Twitter to have a look at this, while we're live on air, Matt Law, of the Telegraph has just broken the story that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is no longer training with the Arsenal first team and is not expected to do so before he leaves for the African Cup of Nations. That's big. Wow. Big news. That is big. Yeah, funny I had my notifications turned on for Matt Lott. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's huge. Um, I mean, because that obviously opens things up again to more questions as to why... Is that, is it because of how he's reacted as to why he's not training with the first team? Is that punishment for what he's done? That's kind of the the inconsistency. It's interesting how that news comes through, isn't it? And how that's leaked through. Would that have come from a source that Matt will have through Arsenal? Or will that have come through a line from the player and, and wanting to get that information more public? So... Again, it does open up far, far far more questions than it probably answers, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to check out that tweet from Matt Law, you can follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore Law underscore DT. You should probably pay me for this plug. Uh, So head head over to Matt Law's Twitter page and you can read the full story right now on The Telegraph. We haven't read it because it's literally just dropped while we're live on air. And I'm sure we'll both be doing some kind of reaction content off the back of that over the next sort of 24 hours or so. But big, big news coming out. And some people are saying in the comments of that very tweet that actually maybe it's due to corona precautions. I don't know about that. Um, You know, if the team are worried about that kind of thing, or if anybody's worried about that kind of thing, then you just stop training altogether, don't you? We know that at this moment in time, it's business as usual at Arsenal with the relevant precautions in place. That kind of narrative of, well, this is not a big deal. It's just about coronavirus. Doesn't really wash with me. What about you? It doesn't really wash with me, to be honest. I'm just trying, as you're speaking, read through the <laughs> skim through this article, see if there's any other kind of gems of of knowledge that we've missed. Um, there's an interesting sentence where it says, if he is not to be loaned out or sold, then Arsenal expects to review Aubameyang's situation again on his return. So that leaves things very open, doesn't it, to the idea that he could leave in, in January. In, in which case who to and how much are you going to get for him and who's going to take on those wages? It's, I mean, who do you think would take him? It's a big problem. And a lot of people have kind of looked at Barcelona um, as a potential suitor. And given the the recent retirement announcement from uh, Sergio Aguero, that maybe feeds into that story a little bit, but I don't know. I just don't see who's going to 
kind of pay that sort of wage. And I, I just wonder if the kind of, you know, it, it, we're going to see a lot about Aubameyang here. Is he going to say, I don't care about taking less wages if you can just get me out of this club? Is he that sort mm. of upset, pissed off, if you like, with what's gone on? Or is he going to dig his heels in and say, no, actually, you're not going to be able to get rid of me. I'm going what to would you here. do if it was you? Say you'd breached those, you know, you'd, you'd gone and seen your mother in another country, come back late. You've been told you're being stripped of the captaincy. Try and disassociate yourself with the fandom of Arsenal, of course. But what, what would you do in that scenario? Well, I'd like to think that I'd be mature enough to recognise that I've, I'm the one who's done wrong. Mm. I'm the one who's breached a very clear uh, set of rules and think that, well, in this case, if I am unhappy with the way this is moving forward and I am that aggrieved, genuinely aggrieved, mm. that I would be happy to move elsewhere, even if it does mean taking less money. But we're talking about huge sums of money here. You know, imagine he went somewhere where he was going to get, I don't know, 100 grand a week. That's 250 grand, a quarter of a million pounds less a week than what he's mm. earning at Arsenal, pretty much. That's mad. So mm. I'd like to think I'd be mature enough to recognise that it's my fault but then I don't think I'd be pushing for a move. I would I think I'd be working hard and I'd be trying to force my way back in. Because let's be honest, when you look at the striking positions at Arsenal, although Alexander Lacazette has been very good in the last couple mm. of fixtures, he is quite up and down. He's never throughout his Arsenal career scored with the regularity that Aubameyang has. So for Aubameyang, this is not a case of We've evolved so much and developed so much that he's completely surplus to requirements now. He is still good enough to play a huge role in this squad. And mm. that's what I'm a little bit worried about because it, it's really difficult. When you don't know the full situation, you can't possibly draw definitive conclusions. But are we going to find ourselves in a situation where we're missing out on what Aubameyang brings because we've gone too hard on something that maybe. What does he bring more than Lacazette's bringing right now? Right now, at this moment in time, probably nothing. Mm. But what he does bring or has brought over the course, of, I think only once since he's arrived at the club has Lacazette outscored him in a season. Is that because he's playing more than Lacazette though? Potentially. Um, but I just think he brings a different type of threat as well. You know, I think if you're a centre-half, I think you're more reluctant to squeeze up the pitch against somebody like Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang from fear of what he can do in behind you. Whereas with Alexander Lacazette, you'd be quite happy to kind of, you know, to squeeze up knowing that he's not going to spin you and, and skin you. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just think he's a different threat. Um, and I think that that's something that Mikel Arteta has realised, recognised, and as a result, at one point this season was playing both of them because he felt like he needed some mm. of what Oba brings and some of what Laka brings. So I, I do think that we become a little bit one-dimensional without a different option. I mean, what's your take on it? Do you not think that Aubameyang could still offer something to this team if they could resolve this issue? And are I you worried that we're left short? I genuinely don't think at this stage of kind of where he's at and from what we've seen that he offers any more than, say, a following Balogun offers and I mean Balogun and people might scoff at that but I think when you really break it down Aubameyang's best when he's obviously around the six-yard box and he's given those chances on goal to score and take things seriously with with his finishing but the other part of his game is is when we're playing on the counter and you're able to kind of you know he's passed in behind and and played through and to run and use his pace but that pace is diminishing the older that he gets 
So when you've got a player like Balogun now who's on top form for the youth side, who's far better than that level, should be playing senior football, is a lethal finisher. Um, yes, he misses some chances, as has Aubameyang. But I think that I don't really know what Aubameyang is going to give Arsenal any more than any other striker in this team is currently. And it's, it might seem crazy considering the amount of goals that he scored in the past, but I just think that's the natural part and cycle of, of football as you move out the the cogs that aren't necessarily working and you bring in the ones that are going to. And I think Balogun would do as much and maybe more right now than Aubameyang has this season. So let me ask you this. Let me put this question to you and to everybody watching or listening yeah. who has been, I don't want to say critical of Arteta because I don't think that's fair to say to label people all in that thing. But for those who have, have still got question marks about Mikel Arteta's suitability to this role, in the event that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang does leave the club and doesn't play for the club ever again, mm. can you guarantee, and, and I want you guys to answer this in the comments as well, that if we struggle to score goals at various points in the rest of the season, nobody's going to come back and say, well, we binned off Aubameyang and that's why we're not scoring goals and Mikel Arteta got this horribly wrong. If we sell, say we sell Aubameyang in January, and we get to March, April, and we're struggling to score goals, I will be very confident to look at the way that we're playing as the reason as to why we're not scoring rather than it being Aubameyang's absence. I feel like the chance or quality of chance creation for the way that we play is, is more suited to a Lacazette style of striker than it is Aubameyang. Um, I feel like... For Aubameyang to work, he needs consistent and regular high-quality chances, low balls into the box, all being played in behind. And I just don't think we're doing enough of that at the moment. And I feel like in, say, four, five, six months' time, if Aubameyang's gone, if we're still not scoring, I, for one, personally, would not be looking back at that and saying it's because we sold Aubameyang. I'll be looking at the way that we're playing and probably pointing more of a finger towards the system and therefore Arteta than, than the decision to sell Aubameyang. Fair. Absolutely fair. Uh, just before we continue, let me bring you a quick message from our sponsors over at ProPrep. ProPrep is the perfect study tool for university students undertaking science, technology, engineering or maths related modules, and it can half your study time. ProPrep provides bite-sized videos relevant to the module or course, which can be accessed from any device at any time. It's already helped over half a million students to pass their exams. They provide customized STEM study tools that match your syllabus. Long lectures are condensed into short and clear video tutorials. And after the videos, you can go through what you've just learned with interactive exercises and practice questions. So you'll be ready for the big day. You can even submit questions to the pro prep professors and receive a video answer within 24 hours. Now, if you're a listener of the Chronicles of Aguna, you can head over to the website, proprep.uk slash info slash football. You can find more information there and you can sign up to a free 30-day trial without having to input any credit card details. Check out ProPrep. We thank them for their kind sponsorship throughout the month of December. Um, hey, right. mate, if I, when I was a teacher, I, I'm going to love to send the kids over to that. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna, I was, no, no, no. Go over there. Yeah, I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you. <laughs> as an ex-teacher, do you know about, like, is, is this something that's quite common now? Uh, I mean, online stuff for kids is, is obviously always been, they think of BBC Bite Size back in the day, but... Yeah, maybe it's something that's that's a gap in the market that they found and something they should check out. So there you go. There you go. You've heard it from a teacher himself. There you go. Ex-teacher. Ex Ex-teacher. Yeah, <laughs> you'll, you'll always be a teacher because you've done the hard yeah. graph to get that uh, title. 
Well, uh, yeah, you say that, but I, I kind of don't even like the labels. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff, man. Uh, let's uh, right. Let's focus our attention a little bit onto tomorrow's game, Saturday's game that we think at this moment in time is going to go ahead. Um, rather than t- talking too much about the game itself, because I'm wary of spending our last 10 minutes talking about a game that might not even take place. <laughs> yeah. What is your take on the current situation that the Premier League yeah. finds itself in? Because there are a, a section of, of sort of supporters out there that feel that the league should just be postponed for a two, three week period. You've got others like Jurgen Klopp who feel like, well, we're just kicking the can down the road. I think he said that this virus is not going to go away in two weeks. So what's the point? Uh, what's your kind yeah. of take on what needs to be done? Look, to, to preface anything I say, I'm not an expert at the end of the day. Um, all I can hold is an opinion on it based upon what information I've kind of absorbed. From where I'm at, I I understand the argument of Klopp that says we're kind of kicking it down the road. Um, I, my initial kind of instinct would be to have, a say, a two-week break and just kind of circuit break it for the Premier League because it seems like the cases are accumulating amongst players and, and amongst groups. And if you have a situation where you can have a two-week circuit breaker where you can then implement kind of I suppose private restrictions for players within the league and staff of the clubs just within that bubble and create bubbles for two weeks say within their family groups around Christmas so they can see their families and and, and everything to do with that so that might work but the argument as Klopp raises to say it's just going to cause the same thing to happen in say a month's time it, it's very possible that that could happen but it's going to be part of the it's going to be part of the world we live in until eventually one day we just kind of learn to live with it, I think is is what it's going to be. Yeah. Do you think that they should at least close the stadiums or reduce the capacity? I, I feel like maybe the reduction of a capacity is a sensible uh, way of, of doing it because it's a, look, it's a crowded space. I know it's outside, um, but... I'm sure that them being in such you know close proximity to one another, but I mean that that's not really affecting the players, is it? Does it really? I mean, the players are very separate from the fans. I would say that there should be guidance about, say, celebrations not going into the crowd, celebrating with supporters in the crowd. It should be very much you know kept within the the lines of the pitch. But is is the crowd capacity going to have an impact on on the players on the field? As I say, unless it's through a celebration or high fiving, probably not. Yeah, it's it's a hard one, isn't it? Because I'm like you, I see both sides of the argument mm, here. Yeah. Um, what I am massively worried about is what happens with the kind of integrity of the Premier League at the moment. Mm. In terms of, there are teams that are getting games postponed at the moment. The one that comes to mind for me is Tottenham, right? Because Tottenham have had a number of games that have been postponed now. If indeed this is allowed to continue and everybody else is playing. Or, or some of the other teams are playing. For Compare us and Tottenham, right? Mm. We've played, what, two more Premier League games in them now at this point. Now, if we play against Leeds and something happens between now and Sunday and they don't play against Liverpool, they're essentially going to end up with something like three games in hand over us, which are likely to be played after the January transfer window opens, in which they could quite easily go out and strengthen that impacts the integrity mm. of the league, does it not? It, th- that's my big worry about this. Postpone for some teams, then don't postpone for others. That's what I'm fearful of happening. And the same with Newcastle United, for example. Yeah, you know, We know that they've got bags of money. Now, if they get games postponed between now and the new year and then 
find themselves two or three behind some of their competitors and then can go out and really invest in the team and improve it, then what does that do to the fairness of the league? That's that's my big concern here. And and also, I mean, imagine intra-transfers within the league. Uh, say Spurs want to sign you know, James Tarkovsky or something from Burnley, the game that they've had postponed. They sign him in January, a game in which he initially would have been playing for Burnley. He's now playing for the opposition. Like, it's a very realistic... I mean, remember the... Was it Juan Mata, I think, that was signed by... United from Chelsea just before that game was to be played. So it technically weakens Chelsea or something like that. I think I remember uh, Wenger saying about Mourinho being quite tactical with the transfer. So it's, I think that is certainly something to watch. But there is also the other side of it, which is, well, for teams that continue to play against other, say, weakened sides now, is that reflective of their true quality now? And would their true quality be more reflective, say, a few months down the line when we rearrange it and they've got their players available? And it's, the answer is, Harry, it's impossible to come up with the right answer because there isn't a really a right answer. Um, we've just obviously, I don't know if you're into your F1, but obviously we've seen a lot of chaos in that recently. And no matter how many kind of rules were broken at the end, it was never going to change the end result. And I think as fans, we can be so helpless, can't we? We just, we've got no impact on it. We can discuss it, but we are going to have to accept whatever whatever kind of happens. And, and there, if it is unfair then it is going to be unfair and we're just going to have to deal with that. Yeah, I suppose so. I guess, as a lot of people are pointing out in the chat, having the points in the bag, though, if you can accumulate those points, right? If we mm -hmm. go and win at Leeds, I won't be saying this so much, but, you know, it's it's difficult because if you do get the points in the bag, that can be a benefit. Mm -hmm. But if you don't get the points in the bag and you've been three or four players light because of this this kind of outbreak at this moment in time, then that's a problem too. So it, you're right. There's not a, a right answer. There's not a right solution here because it's something that, and I know this word has been banded about so much ever since the pandemic started. It is unprecedented. It's not something that people would have dealt with in the past, not in our lifetime anyway, and, and know how to kind of, you know, get around these things. But there we go. Let's see. Uh, let's see how that's going to go. Assuming the game does go ahead, Tom, to kind of wrap up, what are your thoughts on this one? Because it's it's been well documented that Leeds are on their knees with regards to injuries yeah. at the moment. We had Jeremy Fulham uh, from TalkSport, big Leeds fan on the Opposition View segment that we did. It's out now. You can check it out. It's the last video, last episode on the feed if you're an audio listener. And, and he was talking about that. And he was talking about the fact that from a Leeds perspective, actually, if this game got called off, it might be a blessing in disguise. Does that in, make it for you a must-win game? And nothing, nothing less. Or does that not change? Uh, I don't think it changes because it was already a must-win game. <laughs> um, so it, it's. I think it's a game in which there is absolutely no excuse not to get the three points. It was always a must-win, but Leeds with their full-strength team are a decent side, and and have shown that under Bielsa. Maybe not so much this season, but as we've talked about, they've had their issues. So. It was a must-win, but now it's a, a must-win with utterly no excuses uh, beyond any positive test for ourselves, which could happen today. Arteta said that they were still doing one more round of testing before the game, so we'll have to wait and find out. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, it's it's absolutely a must-win. It's a great opportunity because Leeds away is last season we weren't able to win there. So we have to try and take this chance now that it's been presented to us. Getting three points here is, is would be great. It would set us up for another away. I mean, away pictures in general this season have been tricky. We've not won games. We've been expected to win Everton away. 
United away, we were expected to show a lot more than we did. Um, and, and we've got to try and show more in these games that we've dropped points in, in silly situations. Brighton away, Brighton looked at the start of the season to be a very, very decent side. And they haven't necessarily not been, but you would hope that if you've got top four ambitions that you can beat a Brighton side, even this this Brighton side. So our away form needs to improve because our home form is very good. And this is a great opportunity to start that and then continue that against Norwich on Boxing Day. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, let's get some of your predictions for the game as well in the live comments section. Uh, don't forget to hit the like button if you haven't done so already. There's over a couple of hundred of you watching us live right now. We've only got 38 likes on the board on YouTube. That is simply what? not good enough. Exactly. Hit the like button. Smash it if you want. Don't break anything while you're at it, but you know what I'm saying. Um, get involved. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel if you're new. Also, click on the link in the description and head over to Tom's The Guna Talk channel if you're not subscribed. I know a lot of you are subscribed to both already, but make sure you're subscribed over there because next week, are we doing one next week? Christmas yeah. week, are we doing one? Yes, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, why not? If we've got the We're time. Gonna be stuck at home. We're going to be yeah. stuck at home. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> we'll bring you a Christmas special. We might wear Christmas hats or something like wow. that. Jumpers. Mm. We'll say jumpers. <laughs> I mean, you're pretty much wearing one now, to be fair. Yeah, do you know what? I've been getting a lot of grief <laughs> about this jumper, and it's one yeah. of those where I'm like, I've got this really bad habit. I know I'm going off on a tangent, but just quickly. I do it all the time. <laughs> I've got this really bad habit where I will wear something, I'll put it in the wash, and then my missus will wash it, iron it, whatever needs to be done, and then she'll go and pile it on the end of my bed, and she's waiting for me, thinking that I will put it away, but I don't. And so what happens is the next day when I wake up, I'll pick up that jumper that's just been freshly washed and wear it again because it's less effort mm. than going to the wardrobe, putting something away and getting something new out. So it looks like I wear this jumper all the time, but the truth is I just don't want to put it away. Is that a problem for you? No, I mean, at the risk of revealing too much about our personal lives, <laughs> like, I do feel like jumpers and hoodies, like they're more than one wear prior Agreed. to wash. Agreed. I mean, usually I wear a T-shirt or something underneath of a hoodie or a jumper anyway. So I feel like you can get two what two wears out of a jumper anyway. But look, the fact that it's washed, Harry, I mean, is enough to to justify that decision. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, we have a funny thing on the channel that I I wear a lot of black clothing. I just not just because it's slimming. That is one of the main reasons. But oh, just it's just a, you know something. Just have a lot of black clothing. So, I mean, there you go. Yeah. If only you could smell the persil. <laughs> oh, lovely stuff. Oh, right. another, another sponsor incoming. We love there it. There we go. Hit us up. Hashtag Persil. Get it in the chat. Right, guys. Uh, thank you all so much. We are going to leave it there. Tom, let everybody know where they can find your excellent work. You can find us at the Guna Talk. Uh, we've just uploaded our preview ahead of the Leeds Guys, joined by three of the members. So do check that out. And uh, I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. as always uh, with the latest show. Brilliant stuff. We'll be back very soon with more. Subscribe to both channels. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review. You know the drill by now. Until next time, take care. Goodbye. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.